In the past 20 years, the number of women participating in the workforce in India has dropped from 35% down to about 23%. That places India eh, about in the bottom 20 in the world or so. What's responsible for this trend and what can be done about it? Joining us today on the Charger Cast, it's Anupama Kapoor. Anupama, thank you for being here today. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Uh, our pleasure. Uh, you, of course, you're the founder of Reboot, which is a community organization dedicated to helping women get back into the workplace. Um, right. Tell us a little bit more about your organization, and then maybe we can start getting into the, the meat of things uh, on women in the workplace. That's correct. So, um, I founded Reboot primarily uh, to help women get back to work. Uh, and uh, some of the, uh, the, you know, the reasons behind how Reboot was set up was my own personal experience, my lived experience growing up as a young girl and also as a, a professional, woman professional who had to take a break because my uh, kid was very young. So it's something I'm very passionate about and I identify, w uh, you know, deeply with uh, what women face. Uh, so we have a pan-India community, an online community, where, uh, of course, we have these conversations on a daily basis. So it's like a sisterhood. And we try and bring them as many opportunities as possible from organizations that are progressive and uh, are willing to give women a second chance. And we have mentoring and other upscaling opportunities to help them ready for this transition. So so then let's let's... Then let's get right into it and talk about women in the workforce, right? Why, in your view, are the number of women participating in the workforce in India, why is that number going down, which is sort of a, a very unusual trend, right? You mm -hmm. think over the last 20 years with the rise of the internet and we're more socially connected, um, education rates are up, literacy rates are up, all those things would seem to indicate that more women would be participating in the workforce, mm -hmm. but it's the opposite, why? Right. Uh, and, and to add to what you're saying, I mean, this whole prediction about the Indian economy should also contribute to a larger uh, share of the workforce, but it's pretty unbelievable. You're right how low it is. Uh, now, there are multiple factors. Uh, I, could, I could say that it's, it's also the way our society is structured. It's, it's a socio-cultural issue uh, about women working. But it's all, you know, it, there are multiple reasons. So uh, it starts from how our society wants, uh, you know, women to be. Uh, how, what are the expectations around uh, women uh, bringing up their children? Uh, what is the status of women uh, in society today? And I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry to state, and not that it's something we don't know, but women don't really have uh, an equal status in India's society today. So uh, there are multiple things that women are expected to do, which men are not expected to do. And, and to do those, uh, or to play out those roles, women have to unfortunately not be in the workforce, or to drop out of the workforce. Uh, in fact, one of the other reasons why uh, the data looks as bad as it does is because um, you know, you're looking at data both for the formal sector and the informal sector. Sure. So you're looking at uh, urban women and rural women. And when you're looking at capturing this data, the d especially of say family farms or family enterprises in the rural part of India, uh, how you collect the data, how the data is reported is also an issue. Mm. So to give you a quick example, there is a family farm and there is one produce that the whole family is geared towards making uh, Then and then the census is collected. Now this woman in the house is contributing towards the family business, right? Uh, and therefore the man is working, 
and while she may be doing a whole lot of ancillary stuff that goes towards this business of the family she's not reported as working okay so that also skews the data a little bit sure but does she get sort of internal credit within the family for being part of the the family you know yeah. the farm workforce yeah and i was going to say that that's the other reason why um uh, you, you know all this is also indicative of the status women have in society today and also when you say society it's not just that the government wants to do it and the people are not really ready i think it's a mix the government is also made up of people and uh, these people are also uh, you know deeply uh, imbibed with their cultural traditions about what they think of women so in fact if you look at how we define work today um the fact is that any transaction that takes place that is that has an economic return is defined as work so if you look at that traditional way of defining work anything a woman do does in her own house becomes non productive huh and the fact is that indian women if they are working out of the house they definitely have a double shift or a double burden so when when they come back home they have to immediately get get into the tasks of the household these could range from groceries cooking uh, children's homework child care el elder care anything all of it actually which men are not really uh, doing or are expected to do sure and and i think I, I take you, you know, at your word, and that's obviously that's that's a very sort of that's the way it's been for many years, and this is a very traditional sort of societal thing. But what strikes me is that I feel like there's been a lot of new information put forth into the public. There's been people like yourself, right, at the forefront of this type of a thing. Yet the numbers still decrease, right? It just doesn't make sense somehow. Right. Uh, see, it's a big puzzle. and there are multiple pieces to it yeah. so for example one piece is that for a woman uh to work outside the house everything in the house needs to run smoothly now let's not even talk about the household stuff let's talk about just the children okay and do we have the infrastructure today good quality infrastructure where a woman or a family can leave her child for the whole long day and uh, and and be you know be sure that the child will be well looked after will be safe and and you know she can she then contribute 100% to work knowing that my child is you know in good hands so we don't have that infrastructure if you look at indian work days they are not like the west hmm. so nobody sort of packs up at 4 and i know it's not black and white all over the world but we just seem to have this culture of 14 hour work days add to that the commute so if your workplace is not close to the house you're in a city like mumbai for example um, you, you're looking at at least 3 hours on the road sure in 3 hours of your daily life going away which is taking away from the household from the children etc etc so the moment a husband earns enough and you're now saying about 30s maybe and you know depending on the career path the husband has taken um the, the family makes a conscious decision that anyway the woman is earning less because there is no pay parity in india uh so they make a uh, you know a decision that the woman will drop out of the workforce so that all these other pieces of life can be done well or she'll take a part time job or she'll decide to work from home or whatever it is that they need to run this unit uh, on a daily basis so would you say that then in sort of the the traditional family um any work that a woman does outside the home is sort of considered a luxury or a bonus yes because in our society and in all patriarchies of the world um 
Actually, the world is, uh, I mean, the way society is structured, it is a patriarchal system and both women and men are products. So, uh, so what happens is that the man is considered the breadwinner, the woman is the caregiver and this is true across. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference, say, for example, in, in the developed part of the world, two hours may, may be that with lesser people, uh, you have lesser help around the house. So you're doing more jobs yourself and therefore men seem to contribute more, say, in the US or Europe or wherever. In India, we have this concept of help. We, you know, and people depend on help for a lot of these things. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, uh, women then have to manage the help, women have to, you know, uh, make sure that everything is running smoothly, whether they're in the house or out. Sure, and, and Reboot is, you're, you're f primarily focused, as I understand it, on getting women back in the workforce once they've dropped out. And I assume for the sort of traditional, um, you know, motherhood or getting married, or in fact, I think you have a, a three M's thing that you like to, to quote. Hmm. Uh, it's what, motherhood, marriage, and... Mobility. Mobility, yeah. right. It's actually not something that I coined, but uh, it's something we use very often in this space okay. that uh, it's motherhood, mobility and marriage, the three reasons why women uh, quit. Uh, there are multiple other reasons also. So if I'm not getting paid enough or if I don't have the environment, uh, you know, ultimately you have to balance it out. If I'm paying more to the childcare and I'm getting not much in hand after paying for the childcare, what's the point of my working then, right? So it, it is a balance after all. Is is the working environment fair? Is there is it safe for me? Is there sexual harassment in this? So any trigger of the, that sort will tilt your equilibrium anyway towards to hell with it, you know? Sure. But so. So what are the unique challenges faced by women who are trying to get back into the workforce, who have dropped out for whatever reason and maybe they've been out for five years? Well, you know, what, what challenges do they face? Right, I think the biggest challenge is that the longer you're away from the workforce, the lower your confidence is. Huh. Your ability to be able to go back and deliver. So the confidence takes a, a hit. The other thing that happens is that, I mean, look at the rate of change around us today. We, li we live in a VUCA world. And um, things change so fast. Uh, businesses change, technologies change. Um, and, and, and if you look at that, then your knowledge also becomes obsolete. So if you're away from the workforce for long, and this is true, especially of the IT sector, you know, the, um, now today you're talking about AWS, tomorrow you'll be talking about, so suddenly Siebel is almost gone and now you're looking at only Salesforce. So people have to, people in general and women in particular, have to continuously upskill themselves to be able to be lucrative or, or you know, so that to be attractive to the market. Well, and there's part of that too, and, and again, I, I'm extremely conscious that I'm a man talking talking to a woman about women in the workforce, right? So I want I'm, I want to be sort of respectful and cognizant of that. Um, but you mentioned your your skills get obsolete after several years and stuff, right? So talk a little bit about the responsibility of a employer and of the person trying to get back into the workforce to you know make sure that the, that you are still qualified, right? Right. I mean, if you haven't kept up on your skills for five years, does that employer have a responsibility, some sort of societal responsibility to hire you anyways because it's for the good of God and country type of thing? Or you know, wh where is that balance? Well, I would love if that was the case. Ah, okay. <laughs> I would love it, but it's not so. So because you know, ultimately, the way organizations are structured today, they are, we are in a capitalist economy largely in the world today uh, even though in India it's a bit of a mix uh, and 
whatever uh, you do as a business is driven by the bottom line so today if you're talking about diversity and inclusion so much in our country it is because there is belief and there is enough uh, research and study and data available to tell us that there is definite benefits for an organization in terms of diversity not just in terms of women but across the gender spe spectrum across all kinds of people people with disabilities people with different educational backgrounds uh, different personality types everything so uh, yes uh, while there is an element of social justice there is definitely a profitability aspect to these uh, new trends that we see in corporate india but having said that i think the corporate definitely is in a advantageous position mm. it has the wherewithal uh, to influence uh, a, a, you know a large number of people and therefore the society they say that it is a microcosm of society uh, but it can actually exert influence the other way so uh, i think and when, when i last checked there were about um, 600 Uh, I think six lakh plus limited companies in India. Okay. So imagine the kind of employee base you have, and uh, if you actually mean and do uh, and run initiatives, they are going to have a larger impact. So it's not just for returning women. If you make a workplace inclusive for all, uh, the chances are that returning women will also find it easier to come back. So a returning woman, for example, if if she's coming back after maternity. and if she has a young child she will need uh, breast pumping uh, rooms she will need uh, maybe a crash in the organization and our government has done some work in this space to make sure that uh, you know the maternity leave is longer and and the crash is mandatory and of course uh, recently we had the sexual harassment uh, you know act which was ratified in 2013 as mandatory so all these little little things go a long way uh but there is more so for example um crashes in india are a serious concern because when government provides i mean as long as the corporate provides it's okay but outside that the quality of the crashes is really poor hmm. and uh, again you're looking at just the maybe the white collar jobs what about the blue collar jobs what about informal labor i mean the sight of women at construction sites in india with their children playing right next to them is a very common one yeah. right and i'm sure it's pretty common in many developing economies of the world so uh, the corporate has a big role and i think one of the one of the biggest things or the foremost things they need to do is walk the talk but, but and, and i don't want to relitigate affirmative action necessarily but just just to go through the thought exercise maybe someone's thinking about it themselves if i'm a construction company and i'm hiring carpenters right wh why should i be obligated to hire someone who's going to ultimately be more expensive for me to employ right if i have to and, and again i'm not i just want to go through the exercise with you i have to provide uh, you know daycare for children or um accommodate a different schedule something like this right if i hire a woman in the position as a carpenter versus if i hire a man right it's just it's easier right, right? Mm -hmm. so what what do you say to that employer right so there are many who feel this way and the smaller companies in fact feel the pinch of 6 uh, months maternity leave etc sure uh, but the fact is that you do gain by having a workforce which has a larger women presence i mean the, like i said these studies have been done women uh, when there are more women in the workforce or when your uh, you know employee base is more diverse uh, you are likely to have uh, uh, you know 
the profitability has been historically shown to be higher you bring in a different perspective which has not been there you have to mainstream gender in all aspects so for example uh, we have one of the some of the largest fmcg companies here uh, and we have uh, beauty um, uh, cosmetic brands for the ceos are men and i find that slightly problematic mm. so you know maybe a woman will know how to sell cosmetics better for example you know okay but okay but just to play devil's advocate you find it problematic that a man is heading a cosmetics company but would you find it problematic if a woman was heading a i don't know a construction company or an IT firm or something it'll be like a it fresh it'll be a new thing yeah you know uh, it'll be it's it's worthy to find out i mean construction is not necessarily a man's job right whereas traditionally we have said beauty or products are yeah. used or let's let's to, to take your example further let's not talk about cosmetics let's talk about say menstrual pads that's something very specific to women sure. right so uh, and 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 in even in this there were departments that were run just by men till very recently okay. so the thinking is changing but it's changing in pockets and uh, and you know other, the other thing you said about why should they hire women the fact is that women are very easily assumed to be responsible for the the procreation and advancement of the human kind right so who who is bearing that responsibility and what is the cost of that responsibility it cannot be camouflaged in just the glorification of motherhood and this whole notion of sacrifice and duty and women must do that so today women are also therefore taking the call of not becoming mothers and do we respect that then do you want to see reservation for women i would love to i would love to see that because uh, women are a minority in, in the indian workforce and uh, i think that uh, till some time till 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 we reach a point of time where we can say that yes the the number is good i'm not saying compromise on merit but i think we should really look at reservations so that we are able to address the multiple biases that exist across various life stages in an organization so let's talk about cultural norms and biases and i, I want to make sure i get the number right here so i'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and look at my notes um so a survey on social attitudes this is from 2016 so this is just a couple years ago 40 to 60 percent of men and women believe married women should not work if the husband earns reasonably well right what, what do you think about that right so uh, as i said earlier patriarchy is a social system both men and women are products of the social system so when i say patriarchy and men are patriarchal women are also patriarchal mm. so when i want to sacrifice my career for uh, my child to look after my child well or to make sure that you know the entire system is working smoothly i am ascribing to that patriarchy patriarchy is actually one of the most well designed systems ever because what they've done is they've uh, and I, they uh, <laughs> they <laughs> they have go, they have uh, on one hand uh, given the status um, of the breadwinner for example to the man and at the same time of the care woman caregiver to the woman and then they've said the caregiver is like a mother she is like a you know a ma maternal figure or a mother figure or a goddess figure 
and and it's glorified so that is why becoming a mom is such a big thing for a woman hmm. i mean we are defined by are you a mother or not so if you if i meet somebody who's in their 30s who's not married or who's married and doesn't have children it's almost like wow i mean that's an anomaly it's not normal it's because motherhood is the so first of all it's a very big thing for a, a woman to get married in indian society marriage is marriage seems to be the goal yeah and then after that it's motherhood and if you don't have children for one reason or another you are perpetually at the receiving end right and so the question so okay uh, you're you're a 35 year old woman and you don't have children the question you're going to get asked is why not yeah right yeah absolutely why don't you have children or why do you have just one <laughs> why do you have i only why have not i only have one child and i get the why just you know yeah i used to i have only one when, son when's the next one coming right <laughs> uh it's probably not yeah uh, So okay, so fine. What do you say though to people who cuz the the statistic I just quoted was like 50% of people feel like um women shouldn't work outside the home if the husband in this case uh, earns reasonably well, right? And one argument that people will make is that especially in India, every year 2 crore new people come into the job market, right? Mm-hmm. And just again, go through the thought exercise with me a little bit. if the job is a luxury for the woman whose husband is earning that's mm. a livelihood for that new entrance to the job market right? right so that represents a whole family that that person could take care of right what do you say to that yeah i've heard this a lot so there are two parts to your question the first is why does a woman also believe that the if the man can earn well then i don't need to Uh, and it's again as i spoke earlier about the imbibe patriarchy because women also have the reflected glory of a breadwinner who is earning enough and giving her therefore a higher status to take care of the family you know she's a, she has ascribed to that patriarchal model that is why she's agreeing with this that's why she wants her man to earn enough first right this is slightly complex but that's okay. how it it's working on your psyche the other aspect is <clears throat> and it's something that gets um, thrown at me also a lot is uh, this whole zero sum game yeah you know uh, it shouldn't be a zero sum game and uh, we are supposed to be the world's largest democracy we have um, a very young population so we should have the jobs for everybody you know i mean and that that's the slight dichotomy for me sometimes on one hand we have high unemployment on the other hand uh, there are so many jobs which are not uh, sort of uh, you know filled because there aren't the right kind of skill sets available um, so these are things that we are grappling with as a nation and yes we should find answers to but it doesn't have to be a zero sum game and the fact is <coughs> that when women become economically independent uh what happens is they are able to attain an agency an autonomy which they previously lacked uh they are able to make decisions about themselves look after themselves and when women look after themselves and do well families do well communities do well economies do well yeah, but how do you how do you change that perception right like how do you how do you you move a conversation and move and move societal attitudes like it feels like an enormous challenge yeah, it's the hardest part uh and something i've learned um, in the course of my work so i started working with returning women uh and then i realized it's not just the women that need the work it's also the corporate workplace it's also the people in the workplace because indian workplaces are meant for men you know they are designed for men hmm. 
And uh, so, for example, how does a workplace how is a workplace designed for men? So, see, when you give uh, the the man the breadwinner role, yeah, his primary job is to make the money, right? So it doesn't matter if he's spending fourteen hours of the day okay. there. So if you are able to uh, have eight-hour workdays for everybody, right? If if you didn't take pride in the fact that oh I have fourteen-hour workdays, everybody could be home together, you know, doing things for the house and doing things outside. And but why, why, what, what is the and, and this is a little off track, but this is just I guess my own personal curiosity. What is this thing with this this sort of work martyrdom? That I work sixteen hours a day and like I kill myself every day and stuff. Like, what, what is what is that about? And it's just not that. It's also I do sixteen hours a day and you are just sitting at home. Ah, wow. oh, so in that conversation, okay. Yeah. So it gives you some sort of sense of like uh, not superiority, but um, yeah, my 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 work has more worth or value. Right. So this is this is a bit of an older work ethic also, sure. you know, and of course it's not that it doesn't exist anymore. It exists in large pockets, uh, but the fact is that millennials are now looking at things differently. You know, India's young young uh, want a lot more out of life than just the workplace, and that's why you see so many conversations and so much of um, talk about the gig economy, about flexible working, and 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 that's a space that works well for women too. Do you foresee a time when the the concept of a stay-at-home dad or the man as sort of the the caregiver role becomes, I won't say embraced, but socially acceptable? Right. This is something uh, I do with Equal Half in Reboot. Uh, we created a platform called Equal Half when we realized that we need to also work with men. Yeah. It's you know you just can't work have a room fill it up with women and tell them talk to them about equality and economic independence. Men need to be a part of that conversation to understand women's lived realities because unless you've had had that experience, you will always tend to undermine or not understand my experience. Therefore, you need to be in the room for my a conversation with me. Uh, and through Equal Half, we do research, we do advocacy, we do workshops, and uh, it's not just my belief, but it's my stated goal that I want uh, to reach a point where men are taking pride in being caregivers too. Yeah. We, you know, in India, we have made so many strides in terms of women doing things that were, you know, hitherto unheard of in sports, in space. In, in, in all kinds of things, you know. The other day I saw a video of uh, a young woman in Kerala, a student in college, who was uh, controlling the football like maybe Pele uh, <laughs> in her burqa. That was huh. amazing, you know. That was an amazing sight. And she said, you know, the whole school was stunned when she was doing this, but she said, we don't even have a boys team. So girls and women are doing things that were never done before, but we are not you know, focusing enough on the boys. We need to make sure that our boys take up careers which are complementary. You can't always, you know, we need to look at the whole model of masculinity different. How do we look at manhood? How do we define manhood? This is not macho enough uh, or he's, he's walking a certain way so he must be gay. All these thoughts come from uh, this assumption that being male and being able-bodied is the center of the universe and everybody else is a lesser being. So whether you are in the West where you know this male would be white and if you're in India this male would be Hindu, uh, this majoritarian uh, um, toxic 
uh, hegemonic, I should say, uh, masculinity is 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 a you know it really needs to be changed because that's what you also see coming out in violence in so many places. Hmm. And you, in fact, have global organizations that are working on things like this. So I do see, and I I'm working daily towards a goal where. Uh, towards reaching a point where men are actively involved, they are stay-at-home fathers, and they are they are they are uh, not disrespected for being stay-at-home fathers. So, uh, speaking of organizations, let's let's chat a little bit here in the few minutes we have left about reboot and some mm -hmm. of the stuff that you're doing right now. You mentioned um, your the equal. I'm sorry, it was equal. Equal half. Equal half. Thank yeah. you. Um, how do you? How do well, how do people find you? I mean, if I'm if I'm a, a woman looking to get back into the workforce, and you're obviously a resource for that, how do I how do I find you? How do I know about you? How do you reach out to women? Sort of talk a little bit about Reboot. Right. So primarily, um, uh, Reboot was born on the social media. So uh, we have a good presence on Facebook, and we are there on all the social media like LinkedIn and Twitter and. Uh, all that. Uh, so to reach us, you have to just uh, you know uh, type reboot.net.in or equalhalf.com, okay. and uh, you can find us. We are on Twitter too, uh, and uh, we do a wide variety of stuff. In fact, we are now working with schools as well hmm. because. Uh, Where were you with school? Okay, what kind of like what kind of schools? So I'm open to the kind of schools. It could be private schools, or it could be public, or it could be municipal schools. Uh, the idea really again came from when I started with men and when you're talking to 40-something leaders in a corporate, you realize that uh, what you need is a, is a mind which is still porous. So at one point that 40-year-old in the corporate was a 15-year-old sitting in a classroom somewhere. Right. So, so while we want to work with the men, we also have to work with the youngsters because they're still open to new ideas and they haven't embraced society, the, you know, the social norms and the conditioning. Uh, as 40-year-olds have, for so, example. So what are you telling a 15-year-old? When you go to a classroom and it's full of 15-year-olds, um, assuming you can get their attention, <laughs> uh, what, what, like, what, what, what are you saying to them? What are you telling them? We talk to them about stereotypes, huh. about, uh, you know, uh, don't walk like a girl, or, or this is a subject that a girl needs to take or a boy needs to take. Boys can't take home science or cooking, and, and girls can't take electrical gadgets. You know, and by the way, when I went to school, I said nothing doing with home science. I had electrical gadgets. Before I passed out of school, I knew how to make an iron or electric board. So I was always like that. So I, I don't understand this. In fact, I'm the other way around. I can't cook much. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so do you? Do you? Well, I don't know how to put this. Do you feel guilt around that? Like, like you know. Smart <laughs> question, Nick. <laughs> Is that a thing? Uh, uh, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes I do feel a little guilty, uh, and again, that's a part of the Indian, uh, you know, socio-cultural working on my mind. Uh, especially when I see my friends churning out nice baked cupcakes and healthy bakes for the for the kid yeah. I do feel a little guilty but that's it it's temporary I don't invest myself too much into it but isn't that interesting that that I mean this is sort of an area where you focused your life in but yet still like there's this little twinge right I mean like that's the power of right so I think uh, the beauty lies in introspection and realizing so there are some things about me uh, personally I know I am ascribing this means I am ascribing to patriarchy but I'm conscious of it. Okay. On a daily basis, slowly, you change it. Uh, so, you know, because you're married. I mean, I'm married and, and I have a son. So, uh, out of the family of three, two are the other gender. Yeah. So, I have to 
I'm not willing to give up my family because I'm a feminist and men are my enemy. And men are not the enemy. Men are just an equal half. Well, I, I have a wife and a daughter, so I have the, uh, <laughs> the other equal half problem. And um, I, I, I won't give up my masculinity for, for the name of feminism, but uh, it's been interesting having a little girl and um, seeing her grow up and, and thinking about some of these issues and how to talk to her about some of these things. Um, right. And, and to, to pick up uh, what you said, feminism is also not about wanting to give up, men, you know, wanting men to give up their masculinity. Yeah, you know what, that's, you're, you're, out, you're right. Uh, that, was, that, that was an off-the-cuff dumb thing to say. Um, <laughs> not really, but see, these are the little things that we are made of. And yeah. we are trying to make that change in our behavior, in our thinking. And it does come out. It comes out with me too. So it's not like I've evolved and I'm now this on the other side of the fence. It's not like that. So we, let's go ahead and leave it there, uh, revealing my own inherent sexism uh, <laughs> at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, Anupama Kapoor, um, founder of Reboot, a uh, very interesting organization, doing a lot of interesting work um, around getting women back into the workforce, but also educating young people, men, um, on a very important topic. Um, and we appreciate you being here and all the work you do. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, uh, Priyanka. Thank you, Apoor. Yes, thank you, Apoor from Priyanka, behind the scenes for all your hard work today. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of Charger Cast. I'm Nick Novak. <laughs>